Welcome to the Qualitox Podcast, a show about Pharma and GMP. I'm Jan Kugler, host, and today my guest is Nathan Roman, the Director of Validation at Genesis AEC. Continuing our podcast series, Nathan is passionate about thermal validation and loves helping people learn how to implement and carry out temperature mapping studies and equipment qualifications. Today's podcast will cover cold chain solutions and how to monitor them. I want to thank Upri, a leading temperature compliance service with the most innovative and stable solution on the market for sponsoring this podcast episode. Hi Nathan, it's a pleasure to have you here for another episode of the Qualitox podcast. Our topic today is cold chain transport and the various solutions. Why were you excited to talk to me about this one? Hey Jan, how you doing? It's great to be back. Thank you so much for having me. Um, so excited about talking Uh, cold chain. Well, so I believe that temperature is one of the most important parameters to control and monitor in the food and drug supply chain. So um, digging more and more into into that, you know, I'm, I'm becoming more familiar with those involved in the cold chain um, supply chain, um, the industry, um, the, the equipment, Um, manufacturers for temperature monitoring, uh, the sh- shippers, the transport companies, um, things like that. So um, I'm finding that uh, more and more information um, should be provided to to people in our industry, especially for um, those in the qualification validation world and the w- folks who are doing temperature mapping and monitoring. So, you know, just um, super excited to start putting that kind of information out there. Uh, for those that know me, know that, you know, I, I basically just put information out there. Um, I write about uh, little bits and pieces of, of, of the validation temperature mapping world and put it out there for, you know, spreading the, the knowledge. So, you know, that's one of the reasons why. Can you tell me, What is the importance of cold transport in pharma and what types of solutions are there? Temperature controlled supply chain is known as the, the cold chain. Um, the cold chain includes all food, medicine, drug product, and vaccine related equipment uh, and procedures. And um, I was reading online the other week and it said, that the pharma industry spends millions of dollars to in- ensure that their product arrives safely in the first mile of the supply chain. But then who's showing an interest or who's looking into that last mile, right? So uh, the cold chain begins with the cold storage unit um, at the manufacturing plant or research facility. Uh, extends to the transport and delivery of the temperature sensitive um, products um, and qualified storage at the provider facility or lab and then ultimately ends with the uh, consumer or the patient right so the distribution of the temperature sensitive um, goods must be transported handled and stored um, in manner that that mitigates any risk of exposure to temperature uh, excursions. So with that said, you know, having a thorough understanding of, of your temperature controlled options um, will uh, ensure the, the best controlled system is um, chosen to provide the necessary protection for uh, the valuable temperature sensitive uh, pharmaceutical products. 
so to answer your question about what types of solutions um, there are, um, for temperature control logistics, there are two types of storage solutions to choose between, active or passive. So what are the main differences between active and passive cooling solutions? Sure. Uh, active temperature control systems um, are what you might typically think of as a temperature control. Uh, this includes freezers, refrigerators um, that you would store your product in. Now, passive temperature control systems, on the other hand, uh, may be less obvious to you. But these systems can be seen as doers or coolers or other insulated boxes uh, that combine ice packs with insulation to uh, provide a fixed amount of um, you know, temperature protection. So control temperature units that don't use power to keep things cold are considered passive, right? And the control temperature units that require energy uh, an energy source to, or power to keep them cold are considered active. In your opinion, what are the pros and cons of each of these cooling solutions? Well, I think it's pretty safe to say that um, both of these temperature control methods have worked uh, effectively in the shipping transport uh, industry. But I would think that the active method um, would be the safest alternative to the passive um, if you are you know worried about um, your temperatures um, not being in a state of of, of control um, but you know in terms of of cost you know passive may be your your way to go if cost is um is one of your criteria uh, for a go or no go um, because, you know, um, active would be requiring of, of some kind of a electrical supply or a battery or something along those lines, whereas the passive would, would just require the um, dry ice, ice packs, things like that. But, um, you know, it would dissipate. Um, it would, the temperatures would warm up. It would change. Um, it, the passive may require somebody to add more um you know, material to it, ice packs, dry ice to the, the packaging. Uh, it would require someone to physically monitor uh, the, the package versus active. Um, you have the, the, the data logger or the, the monitoring uh, control screen that you can, you can confirm and verify what the temperatures are and control those temperatures and, and keep them where they need to be. So pros and cons, uh, there you have it. You know, but uh, I, I'm no expert in, you know, in this field. Uh, I'm sure that others can provide far more um, technical answers to, to that question. And how do you decide which cooling solution is the best for your purpose? I guess to best answer that question kind of comes a little bit from the last last question it is based on what what your criteria are or what um, uh, what you are most interested in is it cost um is it um you know electricity um is it you know safety um things like that i think would would help you decide which cooling solution is is best for your purpose uh you know if if you're um shipping something that is you know fairly local 
you might go passive um, for shipping your 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 products because you you know full well that you know your your temperatures can be maintained for a certain period of time in that passive um, solution, and and you would know this by a lot of these shippers, um, these shipping companies. They do their own validations in house. They they produce their own documentation and testing on their shippers on their thermal boxes, um, and you know some companies, some labs um, will will utilize that information and and go with that. Some companies will actually you know take that information and that's and that's great, wonderful. But they'll do their own testing in house, and you know I've done plenty of um, shipping studies or um, development studies. Um, that verify and confirm that their product does maintain temperature for a certain period of time inside that passive box um, during during shipment um, from as you know as simple as you know um, leaving it in in the warehouse for a certain period of time uh, under test or you know put, um, actually putting it on on a truck putting it on an airplane shipping it to where it needs to go and doing um, a verification of of temperatures. Uh, w when they arrive, so things like that would um, would probably best and and help you decide what which cooling solution would be best for you. What can you tell me about the current trends and challenges in the field from the regulatory perspective or implementation, for example? There seems to be an increasing number of trends in the cold chain field. Uh, there's definitely been a rapid expansion in the food and pharmaceutical industry that definitely puts a high demand on the cold chain logistics from uh, new products with a shorter shelf life and a greater temperature sensitivity to the massive vaccine distribution we saw um, over the last couple of years is really creating a shift in this industry and, and it opens the door for uh, new possibilities and technologies in this industry. The cold chain uh, industry has um, definitely become more globalized than in prior years. Um, there's, there's a rise of online shopping or grocery services that, um, that although very convenient for us, um, put uh, a lot of pressure on the cold chain Oh, excuse me, cold um, shipping services. There's there's also been a rise in the number of off-site cold storage facilities. It's definitely no secret that our industry, that um, um, manufacturing facilities or laboratories are looking for more space. And this definitely opens up the door for you to create uh, off-site storage or off-site cold storage solutions. Um, and of course, technology has uh, increasingly changed for the cold chain logistics. For example, the use of those GPS-enabled sensors um, in refrigerated containers provide some real-time temperature updates throughout the product's shipment. And what can you tell me about how the regulatory requirements impacted the implementation of different cooling technologies and maybe even the development of the technologies throughout the years? Regulatory requirements that seem to have an impact on the cold chain logistics would be requirements around uh, proper temperature controlled storage, temperature controlled transport, training, 
and your standards and procedures. So an important element to that process in the cold chain is temperature mapping and monitoring. Achieving the regulatory standards requires temperature monitoring, proper documentation and record keeping, and continuous testing. If a, if a unit would fail or if there's a temperature excursion that causes failure uh, and that temperature sensitive product uh, is exposed to conditions outside its um, required temperature range, those cold chain logistics suppliers uh, would, well, they must contact manufacturers immediately or you put into jeopardy the, the product's efficacy and ultimately the end consumer. What challenges have you faced when trying to implement these cooling solutions uh, throughout uh, the years? A most recent challenge that I can recall is a company that had purchased a passive cooling system and their inexperience of guidelines or regulations surrounding proper validation led them to store their highly sensitive and expensive product in those doers with no calibration of the monitoring sensors, nor had they done any validation studies on the equipment. They were unable to provide documentation with any scientific rationale around their process, their control methods, or temperature tracking. They had just uh, gone on relying um, on the data package that came from the vendor, which was merely a checklist and a cut sheet. Um, and so that's why proper validation planning is critical. Uh, validating for your own storage and environmental scenario, uh, that will ensure the data that you collect is as reliable as possible. Before we continue to the next question, let me thank you pre again for sponsoring this event. If you want to upgrade your data loggers, you should know that UPRI's wireless temperature data logger constantly sends data to web-based software via Wi-Fi. It provides real-time temperature reports of your refrigerator, freezer, storage area, etc. For ultimate compliance, once temperature deviation happens, it will immediately send you an SMS and email alarm which minimizes the risk during the monitoring process. So make sure to visit them at upri.com. It's eupry.com later today. Now let's talk a bit about the temperature monitoring of uh, those uh, devices. So how does temperature monitoring during the transport help ensure product safety? Sure. Temperature monitoring during transport um, definitely helps ensure product safety by monitoring the temperatures of those pharmaceutical or life science products, ensuring that during transport, the data loggers can provide alerts when potentially dangerous temperature excursions are about to occur or when they do occur, as well as provide assurance that products maintain the safe temperatures throughout the transport. And what are the common ways to monitor temperature in cooling systems? And is there a difference in application of temperature monitoring between active and passive cooling solutions? So some common ways for measuring temperature or monitoring temperature in a passive or an active cooling solution would be that in an active system, there going to have a built-in or manufactured sensor in place 
hard fast installed mounted sensor uh, whether it's in the 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 unit the wall of the unit or in the ceiling of the unit uh, or they may have uh, a wired sensor that is routed through a pass-through that is then mounted so in for passive system like a shipping container or a doer it may contain a, a temporary thermocouple or remote data logger inside the package with material with material with the material to monitor that temperature uh, many passive units like a doer for example uh, will have the thermocouple or the R, uh, RTD that is routed through the, the lid of the unit and down the neck of the doer monitoring the space inside that, that unit. So to sum that up, you can have temporary removable monitoring or you can have a more permanent monitoring solution for those active uh, cooling solutions. And what kind of issues can arise from improper cooling or incorrect temperature monitoring in uh, pharma transport it's a known fact that pharma cold chain is organized around three different temperature ranges right you have refrigerated which is two to eight ultra low or deep frozen which is uh, the ranges from minus 30 to minus 80 c respectively and then the cryogenic or the ln2 vapor phase which is uh, approximately minus 160 to minus 180 degrees Celsius. Again, that's the vapor phase. That's not the, the LN2 temperature. But the distribution of those temperature-sensitive goods, um, they need to be transported, handled, and stored in a manner that mitigates the risk of exposure to temperature excursions. If a cold system uh, fails and the goods either thaw or become exposed to warmer temperatures, they end up contaminated or rendered ineffective. Well, one example of incorrect temperature tracking and monitoring is that when dealing with vaccines or samples, blood, or even cell and gene therapies, um, even the slightest temperature excursion uh, or equipment failure or delay could result in a loss of product worth millions. In fact, I've recently just read that failures in the pharma cold chain alone cost the industry an estimated $35 billion annually. And what can you tell me about how has the technology that has developed throughout the years enabled more accurate temperature tracking uh, during the transport of uh, medicinal products? The global pharma cold chain continues to expand and so does its new technologies. The demand for real-time temperature tracking, humidity levels, and its locations definitely increasing. With the latest technology and cloud-based platforms, data from these real-time temperature trends and alerts provides real actionable information for the manufacturer um, to use and identify um, and to mitigate temperature excursions and other potential deviations. What do you think we can expect to see in the future with regards to cooling solutions and temperature monitoring uh, during transport? Jan, I'm sure that you can expect to see that pharmaceutical and biotech companies will continue to have a need for the real-time temperature monitoring and the visibility solution that 
ensures successful delivery of their products by reducing temperature excursions and ensuring product integrity and quality. In addition to the storage or shipment continually being monitored, you'll see a more robust validation plan as a part of a complete cooling solution supporting the full temperature range of your cold chain that, of course, follows the guidelines of good manufacturing practices. Nathan, uh, what sources can you recommend for staying updated with the latest regulations on cooling systems and uh, their monitoring? As per usual, Jan, I would say in order to stay up to date with the latest regulations and trends, a good place to start would be to involve yourself in the industry groups that are out there focusing on different GMP compliance aspects such as validation, good distribution practices, IT compliance, laboratory management, and and other topics. ISP is one of the groups that I belong to, but there are many other industry associations or not-for-profit organizations. Some of these organizations provide information and examples of Uh, things that we're talking about today of active and passive shipping systems and equipment used for transport. And they provide training for good distribution practices. The one particular group I'm thinking of has has, uh, actually a live online training class called GDP for Beginners. Uh, But you you can read blogs, articles, and follow regulatory agencies or companies on social media. For all things temperature mapping, uh, you can, of course, follow me. Uh, For example, you can attend conferences or even talk to your peers, and and networking helps you to stay current and involved. Um, Some some keywords that I thought I'd throw at you that you can Google or search uh, would be uh, cold chain logistics, temperature-sensitive shipments, vaccine supply chain, active and passive shipping systems. And you could go and type temperature mapping into LinkedIn, and I'm sure the results uh, would be endless. So those those are a few of my ideas. Is there anything else that you would like uh, to add, which we have not covered yet, but you believe it's uh, super important for our audience uh, to know or hear about uh, this topic? Sure. Thanks, Jan. I wanted to just let um, the listeners know that I do have material, um, you know, that they can reach out to me and request. I do have an ebook called Six Steps to Effective Temperature Mapping, um, which is just about providing guidance and some best practices around qualification and um, the actual temperature mapping. Um, So that is an ebook that I do sell. Um, I do want to also let you know, I do have other um, documents that are free, uh, other tools that I, I, that I do usually post about and talk about that, you know, upon reaching out to me, I can, I can absolutely provide some, some help or some support around those, uh, those areas. Um, I also wanted to quickly um, put in here that the fact that the work that you do matters, the work that we do matters, um, and helping that life sciences organizations ensure the quality and safety when carrying out these qualification and validation tests that we do. Um, you know, it 
um, ultimately it leads to saving lives. So I just wanted to just to put it out there again to let you know that what you do, it truly matters. And, and I thank you. So Nathan, thank you very much for another fascinating episode. I'm confident that our audience uh, will gain a lot from your insights. It will help them stay more current with regulations and it will help them improve and uh, uh, keep their cold chain activities on track, which includes the transport and the monitoring of uh, their product. So thank you very much and see you in the next one. Absolutely, Jan. I really appreciate the time that we that we have here together. And um, I can't wait till we, we meet again. Talk to you soon. Thanks for listening to the Quality Talks podcast. If you enjoyed the show, please leave us a five-star review. If you want to learn more about GMP, please visit us at www.qualistory.com. Stay compliant and see you at the next one.